Welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to be getting back into John chapter number 11, and beginning in verse number 28, we're going to listen to the conversation that happens between Jesus and Mary, and then we'll get into the conversation that happens between Jesus and Lazarus at the end of this day. So, a very exciting period of time that we're able to look at, and it's as we discovered yesterday as concerning the conversation that was between Jesus and Martha, what a powerful truth come forth as far as Jesus being the resurrection and the life. What a powerful revealing that it would be that those of us who are alive and remain shall never die. But then left with the very question that Jesus proposed to Martha, which was the great challenge of her thinking because it isn't that Martha didn't understand the resurrection uh, accounts from her studies from the synagogue they'd be a part of. And it isn't that that Martha wouldn't understand the, the, the principles as concerning the way the Word of God reveals resurrection. But what she didn't grasp was that Jesus is that Word, that Jesus is the very authority of life itself. Jesus is the resurrection. And so both Martha and her way because of her personality and Mary in her way, because of her different personality, are both going to come to the same conclusion in the authority of Jesus once Lazarus gets up. Because remember, Jesus said two days ago, let's go to Bethany so that I can wake up my brother. And the disciples didn't even understand, did they? When we first got into this chapter, the disciples were like, well, if he's sleeping, he's going to get better. Jesus said, no, he's dead, but I'm going to get him up. Let's enter into a time of prayer that we may rejoice in these truths. Father, we are grateful for everything that you reveal to us through the Word of God and how you make us alive through the Scripture. We praise you, Lord, for the gift of the Word that you have given unto us, that we do not have to go through this life drifting aimlessly, not knowing you, not knowing what you would have us to do, not knowing anything about your kingdom or what you would be pleasing to you or what would not be pleasing to you. We have everything we need in the Bible. We just need to be a people of the book to enter into its riches and to discover the realities for our souls. So bless us, Lord, as we continue the reality of Jesus as the resurrection in the life and that we can come to the firm conclusion that indeed we believe that we can never die. What a thrill. What a joy in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, we're going to get reading here in John chapter number 11. We're going to start off in verse number 28. We're going to read our way down first section to verse number 37. And as the word of God is read, it is when, when Martha uh, had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. 
And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Such a cruel uh, spirit in man, isn't it? You know, in the time where you, you have such a bond between Jesus and Lazarus, that those would, would see and recognize how much that Jesus truly not just loved Lazarus, but loved Martha and loved Mary and, and just this whole moment. But that they would say, see how he loved him. And in that heart of compassion for the broken heart of a man over his friend, and yet we find that that there are plenty of those others, and and you will hear this from time to time as people once once a funeral's passed, they during the funeral all the great things, all the lovely things, all the nice things and pleasant things of a person will be remembered, but. Oftentimes, before the funeral or after the funeral, there may be people in the community saying, well, I'm glad he's gone. He was a worthless wretch. He didn't have anything anything to offer the society. He destroyed more than he built. He, he hated more than he loved. And you get all of this darkness that's come out of this people. And, and maybe, indeed, it comes from a position of not even knowing the person or not even knowing the people involved but that they just have assumptions based on what other people felt about them or what other people have been saying, the rumors getting passed around. And so these people that just so adamantly hate Jesus, they just hate Jesus. Now, it isn't that they had a problem with Lazarus. They very well may have enjoyed Lazarus. I mean, they were weeping with with Mary and Martha. They were, they were there. They were to comfort the family. They, certainly, they had no problem with Lazarus. But they hate Jesus so much that they would say this wicked and hateful thing. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? How despicable could this come from a human being? How despicable our nature truly can be in, in, the, in the, just the moment of hatred that we could have for something. This is that corrupted nature. The shortest verse Recognized in Scripture is found right here in verse number 35. Two simple words. Jesus wept. Now, what has overwhelmed Jesus to the point of his weeping? What, it, what has drawn these tears from his nature and his face? What, what has brought this out of Jesus? Well, let's head up and see what, what has brought him to this position of being deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Is it because Lazarus is dead? And the answer to that is no. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge the death of Lazarus because he's going to raise him from the dead. So it's not the death of Lazarus that has broken the heart of Jesus because he's there for the purpose of getting him back up. Then why would, would his spirit be so greatly troubled and why would he be so deeply moved? was because the disbelief of a people, the disbelief of who he is, what he's capable of doing, the disbelief of his Father. For if they won't receive him, they won't receive the Father who sent him. 
Jesus' heart is broken in this moment because of the people around him, not because of Lazarus. Jesus has already got the plan to fix that problem. So we go back up to verse number 28, and we see that at the conclusion of the conversation that Jesus has, remember, verse number 26, so powerful, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And, and Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Right after she said that, she went and, and this is kind of a, a deceptive move to begin with because Jesus didn't call for Mary. Jesus was coming to the house. Jesus was, in fact, just going to go to the tomb and get Lazarus up. So Jesus wasn't interested necessarily in seeing Mary on the road. But Martha didn't get a satisfactory response from Jesus. Martha didn't get the I'm sorry. Martha didn't get the, it's my fault that I wasn't here or else I would have healed him. Martha didn't get the generated desired response that she was hoping for when she made that accusation to Jesus, if you'd have been here. So what Martha couldn't get, she suspected Mary could. And so she went and called her sister Mary in private you see, this is something that is premeditated. This is something that is planned. Now, I'm not making, trying to rather make Martha out to be some conniving and deceptive person. And yet in this moment, there is a measure of deception and conniving ways that are being recognized. Why? Because nowhere in the conversation do we see that Jesus told her to call Mary. Nowhere in the conversation do we see Mary even being a part of this. It was Martha that chased after Jesus walking down the road to begin with. It was Martha that engaged Jesus to accuse him for not being there. So it's very important for us to understand that in this moment, because, as I said earlier, that Martha didn't get the desired repentance or the desired response of pardon to be sought from her from the family, she's going to use Mary as another means. Now, this is pretty common within family structures because it happened a lot in our home when when one child would be told no, sometimes they would go back into the huddle, uh, especially amongst the girls, and I've discovered as of late because when they all grow up, they could talk about the hilarious ways in which they try to get uh, things past the parents is that when, when they would want to watch a particular movie, but they were afraid, both the oldest two were afraid that if they asked that they would be rejected, that they convinced my youngest daughter to come in her bubbly and innocent ways and ask for a movie because the other two believed that she would have the best chance of getting the yes, whereas they would probably get a no in their thinking. So it didn't always work for them because if any of them would have come, any of them would have been told no. And if any of them would have come, any of them would have been told yes. It just depended on what was going on in life at that moment. But they didn't know that. So what Martha's doing in the scripture right now is exactly the same thing that has been done between sisters, that has been done between siblings. Uh, my brother used to send me in to ask questions of the parents because I was the younger uh, guy and I used to f 
kind of use my brother in the same manner because if somebody's going to get a whopping, yeah, I'd rather it would be him, right? So the reality is, is that Martha is now about to use Mary as a, as a means to be able to draw that response of broken heart with Jesus and to draw that, uh, that, that apology that she so desired from the accusation that she made. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What she would have hoped for at that point was, Martha, I am so sorry that I am late. I am so sorry that, that I wasn't here for his last moments. I am so sorry. I, I could have raised him had he, had he still been alive. I could have done something, but I wasn't able to make it. I, it was my fault. I'm sorry. And, and they, Martha desires this. But even if Jesus would have given that to her, it wouldn't have made it any better. It wouldn't have fixed the issue. And and when you look at Jesus' response, as she accuses him and said, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus said, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm, I'm here to raise him. And she, she just refused it. She wasn't even listening to Jesus. And we talked about that yesterday. So the last moment that she has is using Mary. And I think that a part of verse 35, a part of Jesus' weeping at this moment is because of Mary, or not just Mary, but Martha's reaction to what Jesus was saying. But here's something so sweet, because remember, when, when Martha heard that Jesus was on the road and he was walking down, Martha and Mary were together in the house. Now, Martha shot up and took off out the door. But Mary remained seated in the house. You see, Mary wasn't going to press Jesus about any matters. It was enough that Jesus came for Mary. Now, Mary is going to have the, the same accusation as it was. But Mary approaches this from a whole different heart. Whereas Martha, the warrior, was prepared to fight with Jesus. Mary's going to present the same accusation from the position of a broken heart. And I think that that's another part that would impress itself upon the heart of Jesus that brings him to weep. You see, the beautiful thing about verse number 35, and Jesus wept, is the reality of just how connected to our personal lives that God is. God loves us so much that when he sees us in such an intensity of pain, that he weeps with us, that his heart breaks for us, that he, that he holds us and comforts us and, and, and just he feels with us. And Jesus felt with Martha. Jesus felt with Mary. Jesus he, he absorbed the multitudes that were going and that were weeping, and he took all of that in to himself, and, and the Holy Spirit grieved over the, the brokenness of their hearts. And Jesus felt that, and he wept with them. God weeps with us when we weep. God laughs with us when we laugh. God loves as we love. And it's such a thrill to have that connection with God and with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We know when our Father's happy. And through the Holy Spirit, 
We know when our Father is angry. It was such a thrill to be able to have that with Jesus. So in verse number 29, we come down to the position where we see that when, when Mary received the message from Martha, as Martha would go and say, hey, the master wants to speak with you and he's coming down the road, that she gets up at this point and takes off to go see him. Now, remember that in her position where she was is being in the house that she was mourning and she wasn't going to bother Jesus. She wasn't going to to disrupt those things that, that he had planned to do. I mean, if it was a reason why he was so late, there was a reason why he was so late. She just she was just in a moment of, of grieving for her brother. Whereas Martha again was in a ready for a fight uh, over her brother. And when Jesus had not yet come into the village in verse number thirty, but was still in the place where Martha had met him, and when the Jews, uh, in verse number 31, Jesus just finished having this conversation with Martha. He's still in the spot where Martha had encountered him, that Mary was coming. Well, when the Jews who were, who were with Mary in the house, as they were consoling her, saw Mary jump up and take off, well, they jumped up and took off with her because they didn't want her to be alone. It was kind of like one of those um, suicide risk watches. They were there kind of watching over her because Martha was externally handling it well. Everybody that sees Martha still sees that strong woman who's going to keep that house and who's going to take care of the needs of the people that have gathered together in that house. And she's going to keep working and keep keep trudging along. She's the kind of person that that is going to just push aside everything that she's feeling because in this moment she's got too many guests to worry about now she's probably more tore up inside than than mary is mary is one who's displaying her grief openly she's weeping in the floor she's she's broken hearted and she's displaying it she's letting it out she's not bottling everything up like martha is she's expressing it and, and there is a comfort to release that Martha doesn't understand because Martha never releases anything. She keeps it all bottled in. So that you can understand that, that Mary, while she is releasing that grief from her heart, that when she gets this message from Martha and she just lights out the door, she takes off, that these folks believe that she's going to go do something crazy or they see her as going to go to the tomb the sight of the tomb because you just can't let go of her brother at this point of time and just weep and wail there at the tomb. So they take off with her, supposing that she was going to be there. When we see in verse number 32 that Mary comes to Jesus, unlike Martha, Mary's position is at Jesus's feet. Now we've seen Jesus come into that Pharisee's house where Mary is on her hands and knees washing his feet with her hair. We've seen Jesus inside of the house while Martha is complaining that Mary should be doing more like her to do the work. And Jesus kind of correcting Martha to say, no, in fact, you need to be in here where where Mary is, because where was she at while Jesus was teaching? She was at his feet. Well, once more, we see in this position that Mary comes to, to Jesus, she fell at his feet. And so we understand the 
the the emotional connection, the relationship that Mary and Jesus have. She comes to Jesus, whereas Martha was standing face to face and saying, hey, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Mary comes running to Jesus, collapses at his feet, holding his legs. You can see this moment in your heart, just holding his legs and his feet and crying out, oh, Lord, I know if you'd have been here that he wouldn't have died. Not as a frame of what Martha would say, but the reality of having a heart broken for Jesus, saying, I know that you wanted to be here, just just under the assumption, really, but under the understanding, oh, Jesus, you would have done anything to have been able to have gotten here, and if you'd have been here, you know you would have healed him. He wouldn't have died. This, this broken heart, not just for Mary, but for Jesus as she clings to him, at his feet to say, I know you loved my brother so much that you would have healed him. I know you loved my brother that this that this hurts your soul. And so Mary, in verse 32, as she falls at his feet, she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus is looking down at this point because it's verse 33 says he saw her weeping. And see, his heart just gets captured by this moment he sees her weeping and I mean she's just pouring out the tears and of course her emotional state has poured over unto those who are closest to her and the same thing happens I mean you're watching a movie right Uh, oftentimes I'm I'm with my wife and we're watching a movie and and in that movie you, you have such a moving moment where where emotions are are heightened to a point where people in the audience begin to cry along with the actors and the 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 screen and what's being shown at that moment isn't even real it isn't even in that moment i mean this this movie was something that was a generation from a year ago that the scene that they're doing that draws such emotional response probably had to be done a hundred times before those actors got it right once and, and this is the clip out of the hundred clips that they would tie together to be able to produce such a movie. But in that moment, you see such brokenness of heart. You, you end up connecting with that scene with those actors and people in the audience just begin to weep when there's no, really no reason to. It's just a movie. But we are beings that that becomes so connected in a moment to the things around us that we often transpose those things into us and so when when Jesus looks at her and and Mary is at his feet and she's just pouring out her tears i mean a truly broken heart and he looks at everyone that's around her that is weeping with her his heart is moved in this moment he he becomes intimately connected to everything and again it's not because Lazarus is dead there's no reason to weep over the death of Lazarus because he's going to be raised in just a few moments there's no there's no reason for for the tears over Lazarus by Jesus because of what he's about to do But he's simply just moved in this moment. So what you find in the conversation between Jesus and Mary was tears. This was the conversation. 
that Mary would grab a hold of his feet and simply say, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus, not even being able to have a conversation because this conversation is more in the moment about what's being expressed through the tears than it is about what's being expressed through the words. You see, sometimes people just need your presence. They don't need your words. They don't need solutions to be fixed. They don't need uh, conversations. They just need you to be there. They just need your presence. See, Martha wanted a war. And so Jesus had to stand in the confrontation and present truth to Martha. There was words exchanged in that conversation. But Mary just needed Jesus. And Jesus didn't say one word to her. He just wept with her and with all that came with her. Because in that conversation, she just needed Jesus. And Jesus was just simply there. What a testimony that is, isn't it? And so that when Jesus was was moved in his spirit, and the tears began to roll down his eyes, Jesus says, where have you laid him? It's the only question that could be asked. Where have you laid him? And they said to him, come and see. Lord, come and see. And Jesus, as he walked and he wept and he wept with Mary, and he, and he wept with those that were weeping with Mary, there were those in that moment that said, man, he sure loved Lazarus. Because they recognized the reality of Jesus' heart. But those hateful cusses that existed in that moment that said, If he'd have been here, then Lazarus wouldn't have died. Could not a man who opened the eyes of a blind man also have kept this man from dying? <laughs> Boy, weren't they about to get a, a news flash, hey? Comes down to verse number 38. And we read from 38. Uh, this pretty much clears the chapter, but we're just going to stop at verse number 44 in our reading on this, this conversation now that Jesus has with Lazarus. And really, it's not a conversation necessarily with Lazarus, but get up. But the conversation that Jesus praises his father for in the blessing of this moment because of the authority that he's been given to, to raise Lazarus, his dear friend, to life from death. So let's look at it. Then Jesus, deeply moved, again came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, oh, here's Martha again. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took, the, took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I, and I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died 
came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him, and let him go. <laughs> what a conversation for Lazarus, right? Uh, amazing situation that takes place here. <laughs> so in verse number 38, as you, as you come to this position, Jesus being deeply moved again, he comes to the tomb, right? Moved again. He's weeping. He's got tears falling. That there is an there is an amplification that would happen to Mary as she comes closer to that tomb. She comes closer to the reality of her brother's passing. She weeps louder and weeps again. All of these people are weeping. They're wailing. All of this emotional moment is charged up. Jesus being moved again. He comes to the tomb. Now we understand that it was a cave and a stone lay against it, which is the normal method of burying people during this period of time. And inside of that cave and that cut out of a rock, there's going to be a situation where there's there's most likely boxes that are stacked up upon one side of this particular area, whereas the body would be laid on a slab in the midst of the tomb. After the, the ashes of the body would, would decay, then that body would then be transferred to what is called an ossuary box. But here Jesus is inside of that tomb, and, and he goes and says, take away the stone. Now comes Martha, verse number 39. She comes running up and saying, but Lord, wait, by this time, there will be an odor, right? Because the bacteria will start the breakdown process of decay. And, and that is really, 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 really rough smell to have to endure. And so he says, he will have an odor for he's been dead for four days. This isn't smart. Now, a couple of days ago, I said, remind me that, that I wanted to bring out the point of this four days. Why did Jesus wait four days to come to Lazarus? Because the reality is, is that it is believed in Hebrew custom, and as is written in the Talmud, that a spirit resides in the body and has capability to come back into the mortal realm up to a period of three days. Had Jesus come back at any point of time to raise Lazarus between the moment that he received the information and up to three days, then people could say, well, God has blessed him. Uh, yes, Jesus came and spoke and prayed over him, but God has blessed him with the resurrection. It was nothing to do with Jesus. But Jesus waits four days. So this fourth day, and all of those people that are standing there to witness this, know that Lazarus is fully gone now. They know that there is no possibility that Lazarus could rise from the dead. They know it. They're certain of it. <laughs> they just don't know Jesus, do they? And so he comes down and he says, take the stone away. And Martha freaks out on him. But look at what Jesus, he just he chastises her again. Because as much as she, she said, back up in verse number 27, she said, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the Son of God that's come into the world. She said, yes, I believe in the resurrection at the last day. But this is where you find she wasn't listening. She, and often people who are, who are gripped by tragedy, often people who are, who are suffering in their heart don't quite listen. And, and I'm not really nailing her or trying to be rude or mean about this person. 
but she wasn't listening to Jesus, and he knew that. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And that's, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though a person has passed away, that they're going to rise again. And those who are alive and remain to this day shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, I believe you're the Messiah. But she didn't say, yes, I believe that you are the resurrection. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Observe. In verse number 41, they did what Jesus told them to do. They took the stone away. At this point between the conversation that's existent with Mary and Martha to Jesus, I think a lot of those people were quite curious as to what was going to happen. So they rolled the stone away and Jesus lifted up his eyes and this he prays. This is a time of prayer with Jesus. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Have heard. You see, this is something that's already been done. And yet it hasn't happened yet, but it's already been done. And this is very important for you to understand because I think this just might have slipped past you just now. But Jesus didn't say, Father, I thank you that you hear me, which would have been a moment in the present right there at that time. But that Jesus would say that you have heard me. This was something that was already going to happen. It's something that was already done. And this is a very important point about Jesus and about salvation about the Father. You realize those of you who are connected to this broadcast right now that have received Jesus Christ is because it was already something that was done. It just hadn't happened to you yet. But one, you might not have been born yet. But two, there was a period in, in your life, there was a moment of time where the Holy Spirit drew you, where you come to know the Father. But that time was already established by God from the foundation of the world. Even before day one, that time was already marked. You were already chosen. You were already in the heart of God in that moment of time before the foundation of the world. See, Jesus was the lamb slain from that moment because this is something that God has ordained. This is something that God has desired. And so what God has ordained and desired is already done. And in a conversation I just had with a person very, very recently is to say, that was referring to my ordination or the ordination of others. I said, you know, man gave me a piece of paper that, that said an ordination, order, right? Uh, to be able to hold the office of elder or pastor in the church. But God ordained me for, for his service well before man ever thought to give me a piece of paper and had man not given me a piece of paper, yet still I would be sharing the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God. For my ordination that certifies me for this ministry, for this service, it's not given by man. It's a holy order that is given by God Himself and is made realized through the Holy Spirit in you. So I think God 
for the multitudes of people that are out there who are just average and regular people sharing the message, teaching the Word of God, preaching from the position of the Holy Spirit inside of them more than a piece of paper hanging on a wall that says doctorate or a piece of paper that says master's or a piece of paper that says bachelor's or or a certificate for being allowed to preach and, and some piece of paper. Guys, this is a reality that, that has already been done by God himself over man. And Jesus said, I thank you that you, past tense, have heard me. And Jesus said, I knew that you always hear me. <laughs> there's, there's not anything that Jesus could potentially ask that hasn't already been granted by the Father. For Jesus is the will of the Father. And so he said, but I said this on the account of the people standing around. He says, if I would have kept it to myself, then none of these people would realize what was happening. So I'm openly acknowledging you, Father, so that everyone can realize that you and I are one and that I am the expressed will of you. That is so thrilling. Now, Jesus said, I said this on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Praise God. Get up, boy. <laughs> and the man who died, right, Lazarus, the man who died, came out. Now, a mummy experience. <laughs> He's wrapped up in linen strips. By the way, those linen strips is the same thing as a swaddling cloth that carried Jesus in the manger. He's wrapped up in linen strips. His face is wrapped up with a cloth. All of these things. He's dead, right? Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. He's alive. Oh, there's nothing greater than that. So as was revealed in my promise to you from the very first section of John 11, the conversation of Martha, the conversation of Mary, and the conversation with Lazarus. You've just experienced them all. And with that, we will end the this for today. On Monday, we will get into the plot, as though there have been many. But the plot to kill Jesus on Monday with John 11 and verse number 45 beginning. And then we will get into John chapter number 12, where we will see Lazarus again, and we will see the Pharisees wanting to kill him again. <laughs> we'll talk about all of that. So let's just praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your blessing today, for the conversation that was held with Mary, and that sometimes the conversations we have require no words. Sometimes, Lord, it's just being there. Whereas with Martha, Lord, it required a great deal of words. In fact, with the challenge was given the rebuttal from Jesus as recognizing himself as the resurrection and the life. A correction then being rendered to Martha once the stone was rolled away to see the glory of God in what was about to happen. But Mary, she just had a broken heart and Jesus was just there with a broken heart with her. I thank you, Father, that you're that kind of, of God that we can lean upon in those times of pain. 
And we can also confront those times of idiocy that you would correct us by your word, but that we could lean upon you and that there wouldn't be any words that would be necessary, but that we could just be comforted in your presence. Now, Lord, ultimately to be having the, the word of God speak into our souls, rise and come out and the moving of Lazarus. All of these conversations were so precious, Lord. Bless us with receiving them in Jesus' name today. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Keep you guys. Cause His face to shine upon you guys. And it'll be well that we come together again on Monday here at the Preacher's Corner, as well as on Sunday, we're going to be talking about some of these beautiful truths that are found here in John uh, as we have our church service at Martin. So, if you want to be a part of that, come to Martin Baptist Church Facebook page and tie in with us and follow it, and you'll be able to catch us when we go live. So until then, God bless.